back and off from a wild round one to a almost even crazier round two, we roll into round three of the AFL season and we don't really get exactly what we were expecting here, whether it be teams being possibly super overhyped to teams not being hyped up enough. And also you get the usual, ah, GWS got blown out again. Cool. Ah, man, I love being a supporter of that team. Donnie, that's why I said I'm going to be a a, a temporary um, supporter of the other team in Sydney. I don't know if uh, other Aussie fans would would be okay with that. Uh, Probably not, but I just want some sort of happiness in my life. But, sir, how are you feeling tonight after round three? Oh man, it depends. There, there's there's several. There's three teams in the league now that are still undefeated. Many of them celebrating, mm-hmm. and then several teams that uh that, that still have not found that glorious that that glorious first win yet. And um, I don't know. It, this is just this was a week that was. It had some good. It had some bad. And it had some ugly. So <laughs> this is this is quite the interesting quite the interesting round for sure and then when we do get to your beloved giants I, I make you feel a little better they, they played really well against the melbourne team but yeah. they, they really got hampered with some injuries which i'm i'm worried is going to make an already depleted giants roster that it's going to make their season that much harder no there's no need to worry because it will uh that's just fact <laughs> at least i do have some bright spots from that game luckily because that's the only thing keep me from going insane but and before we really get to the, the game breakdowns our power rankings at least mine until uh, round five donnie's finally going to bring his in and then around four tips i just want to say before we're going to talk about the game proper but sydney thank you so much for keep on proving me right from our preseason uh, uh show and hell i might have even underrated them as well but we're going to start things off with Collingwood in Brisbane, with Brisbane finally getting that zero out of the one column. They get into it. They put the one on the board as they take this 11-7-73 to Collingwood's 11-6-72. And it's all thanks to Zach Bailey's after the siren kick from about 50 out. Really nailed that thing. Luckily, it wasn't too crazy of a kick. At least he was in front of the goal. But man, that is clutch as hell. Um, and, and that was their first, like I said, and a very, very much needed win. Coming without, they now are um, fall to one and two, uh, and drop down to eleventh on the ladder. And everything here was really, really close. The game really, really close. The stats really, really close, except one word. Where I don't know. I kind of the stats kind of deceiving to the way the game ended. Collingwood led hitouts. 63 to 4 with that fantastic defense, but they still fall one point short in this one. Donnie, your thoughts on this game? Oh man, we 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 had the the footy version of the walk off home run, the buzzer beater, the the anything, the, the last second, the the, the walk off, the the throw in the touchdown at the end of the game. I mean, you can't get any better. Uh, the call was absolutely good. The call was absolutely amazing. Talking about how every every young boy in Australia, they 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 get 20, 30 meters outside a goal. They say the siren's gone off. This is to win the grand final, or in this case, round three. <laughs> and just for for a young player like Zach Bailey to absolutely flush it right down the middle and for all of his teammates to just absolutely lose their minds it, it was it for a team that has been displaced due to the COVID issues and everything like that i was happy for brizzy to win this one um 
when it comes to the the dominance and the headouts, I I think really Brisbane kind of neutralized Brody Grundy really didn't have much of a matchup in the in the rucking competition because mm-hmm. Brisbane lost Oscar McInerney to an ankle injury. So he was facing a young Ruckman who really was not even close to his talent wise. So Brody Grundy could do whatever he wanted, but Brisbane was able to kind of place their midfielders in just the right way that though Collingwood was winning the hitouts, Brisbane was winning the clearances at times. In fact, Brisbane actually led in clearances by one. So it was, it was mm-hmm. kind of a crazy game that it was one of those where though there was this so much dominance when it came to hitouts, it, it's really a misleading stat because it didn't lead to a domination of possession and, and inside fifties and everything like that. The rest of the game was relatively even the ball movement was good. And it was back and forth. There was, there was no real dominant team in this Brisbane was a little iffy going into halftime, but kind of got the kick in the pants at the halftime by Chris Fag- by Coach Fagan, and they really came out flying in that second half, and they just chipped away, chipped away, stayed in this. But this was a, a fantastic game and an ending that it's hard not to say is is one of the most exciting of the entire round. Exactly, really, just fantastic stuff from that one. But we roll on into our next one, which was. Not as fantastic and not as exciting unless you're a Doggies fan and unless you want offense, no matter how you get it, you just want offensive scoring. Because the Western Bulldogs put the most points out of anyone this season and the Roos just looked absolutely abysmal in this one. But of course, that's nothing new. The score of this 25-17, 167 to North Melbourne's 5-9-39. And it was all about Josh Bruce in this one as he puts up 10 goals, a couple behinds, and 21 disposals all over the scoreboard on this one. Yeah, um, to quote uh, me a lot is what we've been thinking for a few games. Uh, Good team, bad team, expected result. But except a lot more offense than I was actually expecting. Oh, man, this this is one of those where... North Melbourne never gave up, but this was just, it was superior team. And and then when you can always tell when a player starts getting kicks five, he kicks six. And then when Bruce kicks seven, you could tell the doggies were like, we're going to get him 10. We're going to get him 10. Cause they kept aiming for him. And Bruce just this Bruce had a, had a going out day. Not too many times do players kick 10 goals. So this is one of those that it's, it's a special accomplishment. But if you look at the opponent, it kind of dampens it a little bit because this is a North team that unfortunately is, is this may not be the only time they get smashed this, that they get smashed this bad this year. If it continues to keep up, I'm hoping that coach Noble is able to kind of get these guys together and kind of get them to tighten up, but they've just, they have injuries in the in the worst possible places. They're playing young guys, their leaderships, their senior players are not stepping up and playing as well. So it's, I, I put this more on North Melbourne's apathy and, and lack of effort than I do on the doggies. The doggies did what they needed to do. They ran up the score against a lower, lower in the lower in the ladder team, mm-hmm. and they're going to benefit from it. I mean, they're at the top of the ladder now because this, I mean, absolutely massive win. Puts them way ahead, and when it comes to percentages, very early in the season, mm-hmm. that's going to be a huge boost for them, especially as you know the ladder gets a little tighter late in the season. And now the question I want to ask you about this, Donnie, is especially with the um, the the still on the the still on the mark rule, with is actually having 
the attended effect, which is something that I'm shocked about, um, increase in scoring, increase in goals. Right now, we have Taylor Walker, which we'll get to when we talk about Adelaide. He's on pace for 130 goals. Josh Bruce is now on pace for 107 goals on the season. The last 100-goal season we saw was from yours truly, Buddy Franklin, back in 2008 when he was still in the yellow and brown with Hawthorne. And I want to ask you, Donnie, can't we see a 100-goal season this year in 2021? Oh, man. this I, I definitely think it is possible. Um, I, I know this has become a topic that has become big on many of the footy shows that I keep an eye of. Mm-hmm. I, I keep an eye on. I think it's possible. Will we see it? I don't think so, just because, again, AFL coaches are paid to win. Um, as, as much as I love the open style, I, I think the games have been very entertaining. Um, they have and they have led to blowouts like this, like this one here. There's mm-hmm. another one later on, later on that we'll talk about that was a little more surprising, but it was another blowout. Uh, and you're seeing five, six, seven goals kicked by players. I mean, it, it's more of the consistency. Mm-hmm. The only guy right now by form that I can see kicking over 100 goals is Taylor Walker because he's consistent. Five, yeah. six, and I think it's five, six, five. I think mm-hmm. is what he did, or six, five, five. One of those two. Um, he's the only one that's been consistently hitting. I mean, Bruce is, is bolstered by a 10 goal, one haul in one game in three games. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not, he's a little more, I'm a little more iffy on that one with Buddy Franklin, not playing every single game and him looking like he's going to be managed probably every one to two games. He's the other guy I would have said, he's a definitely a hundred goal kicker. Um, Dixon is a possibility, maybe Kennedy, but they're just, they're not putting up the numbers as much. Um, so I think it's possible. I mm-hmm. don't think it'll happen. I think w- we may get an 80 goal kicker, which would be awesome. Um, but I just, I don't see a hundred. I, I think, I think can Walker stay on this? I don't think so. I think he's going to get tagged eventually. I think he's going to get a defender that's going to be better and he's only going to kick one or he's going to have a goalless game and that's going to kill mm-hmm. you yeah. when you have to kick at least five, almost every game to score a hundred in a 22 game season. So, um, I don't know. I, I'd love to see it. I, I just, I, I, I think coaches are eventually going to do something that I think it's not going to happen. But I, I want to see it. You would think that that eventually in this season, these uh, twenty-three rounds that we get, that there's eventually going to be someone saying, "Oh yeah, let's do this to kind of uh, chill this out." But at least right now, uh, there it, it seems like there's a really good chance that we're at least going to get like an 80, 90 goal kicker. As teams still try to figure out this whole still on the mark rule because that's obviously has had an effect here. Uh, it, it, and it's these teams, um, I'm supr- I'm almost surprised that with how much goal scoring that Sydney's done, their leading guy, Isaac Heaney, he only has eight on this season. So that, that just goes to show how well rounded that team is. And it's going to be teams like, uh, like Adelaide Western, um, Bulldogs, where they're almost like top heavy with their goal kickers. Mm hmm. And it, it seems like while although those are good teams, it's almost like if we see Sydney, we'll talk about them. It's almost better to not have those kind of goal kickers in the way and have a little, little more uh, kind of dispersed uh, throughout the rest of the team. But like you said, I'd love to see it. And, man, it, it's been a while. It's been uh, 13 years since we saw Buddy do it. So it would be really cool to see someone do it again. And, of course, it's always going to be a bit of a long shot with that one. 
And then speaking of Taylor Walker, let's go to Adelaide and Gold Coast. These are two really solid teams. Um, uh, one of them was going to have to fall to one in, uh, or uh, going to have to fall on this one. And that just happens to be Gold Coast, who are a good team. Just not as good as Adelaide this year because Adelaide gets back on track. They, they get their win back from uh, after losing to Sydney last round. And Taylor Walker, like you say, he continues his dominant season. He kicks another six this round. He gets Adelaide back in the win column. And it's Gold Coast playing Adelaide really close like this one. Uh, uh, Gold Coast 12-13-85, Adelaide 14-11-95. They played them really, really close. It was even from quarter to quarter to quarter. And it's just Walker with that late goal that really helps the, the, the Crows pull away late. But fantastic game of footy by either team. Yeah, this, this was a very back-and-forth team the game. This Gold Coast team, they've just, just got so much young talent. The biggest thing that kind of marred this game a little bit for Gold Coast is, is their number one ruck goes down with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, their 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 ruck stocks are are I mean bare bones thin. Unfortunately, they may be having a rookie guy come up in this week's round. So, I'm worried this this could affect Gold Coast a little bit because they're not going to get the ball use that they've been used to mm-hmm. with their previous ruck going down with an ACL tear, and he's done for the season. So it it, it was kind of kind of dampered it a little bit. But again, Taylor Walker absolutely marvelous. This Crows team is just. They are they're doing the same thing that Sydney's doing is mm-hmm. the, that young talent. They're out and going. They're getting the, the ball movement. I mean, the Crows are fun to watch, especially in Adelaide Oval. And Taylor Walker is back to his old self. He's a goal snake. But the best part is, is that not only is he kicking goals, but he's helping with goals. He's getting the disposals. He's getting the passes. He's a great field kick. Mm-hmm. One of the things I got to give some of these really good goal scorers is, is that they're actually relatively great field kicks they can pass the ball just as well as they can kick goals mm-hmm. so if he's able to get up the field and then he can't make it he's able to find a target on a lead and then make it a little bit easier shot so um i think the crows are, are building something um they're incredibly difficult to beat an adelaide oval which is a big advantage the only time they're going to play an adelaide oval where they may not be at home is the port matchup and the showdown but um they're going to be tough to, to mm-hmm. beat there so um Keep an eye on the Crows. This is a sneaky team that might might be pushing for finals this year if they can stay, if they can stay healthy in just the right places. One thing I want to kind of shine a light on for Gold Coast at least in this one, although they fall in a very competitive game, still a, one of the better teams in the league. I want to highlight their tackling because that has been a a really good consistent thing that they've been able to accomplish um, through the three rounds. They've they've been a really solid uh, team. You know, not letting guys get past them, not letting guys get away from tackles. And so that's been the positive thing to see. It's always great to have that that solid defense right there. And that's what has gotten Collingwood into the finals. So maybe Gold Coast could kind of pull off the same sort of uh, the, the same sort of recipe for success with that one. Our next game, Donnie, I've been dying to hear what you have to say about this one because we get Richmond versus Sydney. And Sydney goes and they beat the brakes off the defending premieres in this one 17 15 117 to 10 12 72 it wasn't close because this absolutely high powered offense failed in, in one thing and one thing only and that is failing to slow down in this one because they got a 40 point lead in the second and i don't think anyone was expecting anything close to that uh, there's no way i was expecting a close game like this i was not expecting a blowout richmond did attempt to come back with consecutive goals but 
then back to the story of the game. Sydney would just respond. Richmond tried to kick a goal, maybe two. Try to get the, the lead a little, um, try to close the gap between the two. And then Sydney just goes and immediately responds and immediately puts that, uh, the lead back up to where it was. And the Richmond uh, game was hindered by poor performance by who we thought was the leader for the Brownlow uh, so far, Dusty. 0-0-20. It's just absolutely kept off the scoreboard. He was rushed the whole game on his kicks. That defense around him was relentless. And it was just this fast-paced, never-ending offense. And that's what gets a job for the Sydney Swans again. Oh, I just I, – I, I remember seeing some of the coverage in, in the, the rewind from a year ago when Damian Harwick complained, there's 75,000 defenders back there. It's an atrocious game of football, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and I laughed because I heard one person say that you know, like Coach Coach John Longmire is probably sitting in his box near the end of that game just sitting back going – How's that 75,000 defenders looking now? Just absolutely enjoying it. Like it, it was, I, I am a nuffy when it comes to it. I am an absolute lover of the Sydney Swans team, and I did not see this coming. I thought this was going to be a tough game for the Swans. They're young. They're playing a very talented, very experienced Richmond club and the MCG in the daytime where they very rarely lose. And Sydney just... Richmond kind of started off the game kind of hot, but Sydney was right there. They never really let Richmond get comfortable. There was pressure. Like I agree with what Damian Hardwick said in one of his press conferences, Sydney, Richmond, Richmond, they pressured mm. them. They were constantly on them. They never let them breathe. They turned the ball over and then they kick goals from it. And then the crazy thing is the run keeps going. Sydney's third straight week. They get the rising star. The Chad Warner, uh, Chad Warner, kid from WA, kicks two goals, has 20 disposals. He becomes the third straight nav rising star for the Swans in three weeks. I mean, it's the only, no club has ever done this in two weeks, let alone three. And the crazy part is we still have a fourth possibility with Logan McDonald, who hasn't had a star studded game. Uh, he's been really, really kind of, as you had said earlier, the spread out of the Sydney goal scoring, it, it hasn't been one player. And not playing Buddy in this game almost makes Sydney that much more dangerous because when Buddy's in this team, it's like, who do you stop? If you stop Buddy, then you got Logan McDonald, you got Isaac Kimi, you got Papley, you've got Chad Warner, you've got Eric Goulden. You've got Braden Campbell. All these guys can play forward. All these guys can kick goals. And we've still got guys that haven't even played yet. Well, it's quite uh, simple, Donnie, Hay to answer your question. Hayward oh, you played. just stop all of them, right? Right? That's possible. <laughs> oh, sorry. If, if it were only that easy. I mean, again, it's it's three rounds in. I, I'm not jumping in the hyperbole. Let's mm -hmm. start getting the flag ready for the SCG. No. I know we we've been blessed when it comes to in injuries all we've had is row bottom out so it's it's been mm -hmm. nice but this this swan's performance here is and i agree with what many of the experts say is this is the thing that tells the competition we are a legit contender for the top four or the flag this year if we can stay healthy and continue playing like this and I, and i hope it does um i don't know we'll have to see again long season who knows when it comes to injuries we've been we've been blessed these first three weeks let's we'll, we'll touch wood um as the aussies say to make sure that it doesn't happen we've we've been relatively blessed when it comes to that um but the crazy thing is there's still depth on the, the lower part of the roster that hasn't played that 
I think can step in and be just as good. So that's kind of the other scary thing too. Uh, but I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying <laughs> watching this Swans team play. Um, I, I, I could not believe what I was watching uh, on the MCG no. to see these young kids, seven of them making their debut on the MCG, had never played on the MCG, and they get a win over the two-time defending champions. So it was a very happy day in the in the in the household that day, very that, much so. That was just uh, absolutely remarkable. And I almost – we're talking just a vacuum and we're around through right now, but I almost feel guilty for – only saying that Sydney's going to sneak into the top eight this year, man. I, I, but if I'm wrong on that, I, I guess uh, that's going to be 99% of the AFL kind of fan base, and that one percent being just the extremely diehard Swans fans that are going to say they're going to be in the top four no matter what is going on. They're the ones that say they're going to win a flag every single year. Right. I, I love their optimism. <laughs> I'm just. And now I, their optimism I, might be paying off. So right now they're going to look like Nostradamus at the pace they're at the pace it's going. They could look like Nostradamus. We'll, we'll have to see again. It, that, it's it's round three. Uh-huh. There's 19 more games still to go, but it, it it's in a trajectory trajectory that I think many Swans fans are absolutely enjoying while it lasts. Hey, go ahead, take a full advantage of that. Now we go into a game where typically what I say. We have a good team, St. Kilda, against a bad team, Essendon. And normally, everything we've seen this year, good team beats bad team. But the (laughs) script has been flipped quite a bit on this one as Essendon, quite possibly the worst team, at least we thought through two rounds in preseason, was going to be one of the worst, if not the worst team in the league. They beat St. Kilda Really, really badly. 22-11-143 for them. Uh, then 9-14-68 for the St. Kilda Saints. And this is... Uh, they, they really beat up on a very, very respectable St. Kilda team. And it's uh, Essence head coach Ben Brudden might have kind of gotten himself off the hot seat at least momentarily. And it was Essence just absolutely taking to St. Kilda in the middle of the field. Large disposal differential. And it just look controlled the whole game and also didn't help that St. Kilda also in most of this just looked really bad and did not they looked like North Melbourne in, in this one yeah I, I remember watching the couch this morning and I was just like the, the 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 breakdown of it was absolutely atrocious I mean this Essendon team is is a bunch of youngsters mm-hmm. it's some veterans but mainly a lot of young kids and they just they played go for it foot footy they they went for it they 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 absolutely sold out for it and it worked and st kilda kind of i think they got blitzed early and it shell shocked them and mm-hmm. they kind of i mean they proverbially turned the lights off and said nope we're done and i mean it, it was it, it got really really bad towards the end when you're seeing pictures of three st kilda saints walking towards their defensive end when if they sprinted they could maybe affect a contest and keep a goal from kicking but they walked to it which then mm-hmm. led another Essendon player to beat them to the to the footy which is then kicked for a goal so it's it's kind of one of those the effort wasn't there the the desire wasn't there the playing for the jumper was not there in this game and and if i'm a saint kill the saint supporter i'm livid after this performance because this is this is a team you were not supposed to lose to this is a team that is young inexperienced should be very beatable had been kind of humiliated in in the in their last game and 
they wipe the floor with you. I mean, I St. Kilda has got to pull up their bootstraps this week and get to work and, and maybe come back this week and, and have a much better performance because if not, St. Kilda's season is in trouble a little bit because this is a worrying sign that a potential wooden spooner there for a bit until this win here, mm-hmm. a potential wooden spooner team just literally kicked your rear end easily. Yeah. Yeah, really scary stuff if you're St. Kilda, a team that could, at least before this, look like they might be able to take a spawn on top eight. Definitely going to have to go back to the drawing board on this one. And now, like talking about Sydney, they're a team that solidified themselves atop the ladder. Then the other team that was right up there with them was Port Adelaide. And I was talking about this last week. They beat up on two of the worst teams in the league in North Melbourne and then in Essendon. And I was asking... Because this is going to be the first real test of their season against West Coast. I was asking the question, are they legit or are they just beating up on bad teams? And I guess that they were just beating up on bad teams because West Coast, one of the better teams in the league, uh, to a lot of people, they are a, a flag um, uh, contender, if the least, if anything, a flag favorite. And they put a hurt on Port Adelaide in this one, 16-12 one way to 11-5-71. And it was, oh, I think the thing that really, if you want to say a pun on this one, because he really just jumped off my screen. And that was flying Liam Ryan on this one because he was going everywhere. He was airborne, I think, half the game, Donnie. I can't remember when he was actually had his cleats on the ground at this one. He was putting up a specky after Mark, after Mark, another specky. And he really led this uh, Eagles offense, especially there in the 50, they, which they dominated in. They dominated disposals, clearances, and marks. And it was a just a really, really good showing by West Coast in this one. And sadly, Port Adelaide does feed into that narrative of, of did they did they benefit from two of the lower teams in the league playing mm-hmm. them that maybe they kind of took west coast for granted a little bit because i mean west coast eagles are always tough and off the stadium i mean that has become a fortress for the west coast for the for the perth teams i mean it's hard to beat west coast teams in the west coast it really really is but this i mean port adelaide did really they did not really put up a major fight in this i mean and this is a west coast team that that Shuey has a great game and then he hurts his hamstring. So there's a little bit of there's a little bit of unease in the Eagles camp a little bit because some of their better midfielders are going down hurt. Um, so we'll have to see how they kind of respond to that. But a Port Adelaide, this was the kick in the pants that I think they kind of needed. Mm. I mean, this this humbled them a little bit because you could tell as they left the field that they, they knew that they they did not show up the way they should have in a game that, that I, I, I honestly believed they had a chance to go into West Coast and, and pull the victory out because I thought this team got better through the offseason. They had, they had started off, they had a ton of confidence, and it was like, I don't know if the Eagles surprised them with how they came out. If if Nick Natanui just gave such a such a dominance with the with the tap outs that the midfield really kind of overran port. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But this is this is a worrying sign a little bit for Port that this is this is a loss that really kind of handcuffed you because it, it questions are are you was your first couple of games myth more than they were reality so so we'll we'll have to see coming in again there's still 19 games left plenty of time but that is a little concerning that that a team that you gotta beat that you may see in the finals 
just kind of spanked you a little bit. And that was, that is a really good point you made though, whether it, it is like a, a wake up call for them. And it's one of those games where if you're going to have a wake up call like this, if you're going to have a bad game against a good team, it's better for this to happen early in the season in round three, where you still have plenty of time to recover, build and learn from this game. So that's the, the, the takeaway. If you're a, a poor, if you're a power fan over here, but they really got to get something else going because if they keep on playing like that, that could spell disaster. The next game, we had a Carlton versus Frio in this one. And Frio, oh, those poor guys, poor Docker, man, because that team is just absolutely Swiss cheese with injuries all across that roster. And they failed to get some revenge from last year's game. You know, we all remember that one a little bit. Uh, the first real contro- uh, controversy I saw at the end of the game where they get there uh, after the siren kick. And uh, something that may or may not have should have even been given to him. But that was last year's news. We're in this year. And they fall to the Blues. And once again, not having that Fife really, really hurt them. At least, uh, and then for the Blues, you had Harry uh, McKay. He kicks a career high of seven goals in this one off of 12 scoring chances. So he was all inside that 50. And the Blues really just overwhelmed a battered Frio team. And this is ultimately the result that most of us were expecting. I mean, this, this Carlton team kind of, they, they showed why there there were talks that this this is a team that could potentially play finals if they play as well. I mean, yes, they kind of had kind of a horror run. They they play they play a Richmond team that's very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a Collingwood team that kind of bounced back after a, a crappy first game. And, and this was kind of their, this was kind of their balancer. This was kind of their, let's get our season back on track type of game. You face a very wounded um, very, very weakened Frio Mantle Dockers team. You get them at home and you have a field day. Walsh is really good in the midfield. Cripps has a coming out game after a couple of weeks of people kind of questioning whether he was going to be able to transition into the new style of game with mm-hmm. the man on the mark being a little bit quicker footy. And Cripps is more of a contested ball bowl that uh, many people questioned whether Cripps could survive in the, in this type of um, this type of the game play. And then Harry Mackay goes nuts. He kicks seven goals. The only part that's rather frustrating is I think he also kicked five behinds. So he could have mm-hmm. he could have kicked ten goals himself mm-hmm. if he had kicked straight. So I, I, if I'm the coaching if I'm the coaching staff, you love the seven goals, but you're almost a little you're like, dude, put a couple <laughs> more between the big sticks. Let's not have so many misses. Um, but the, but again, a solid win. Um, I'm not going to say that this this Frio team I think should get five back this week, so mm-hmm. maybe that they'll bounce back a little bit this next week. It's just they their young guys needed a little bit more experience in the midfield, and they just didn't have it. Their ruckman, their double ruckman, just did not play well. They were they seemed slow. Um, were constantly bombing it in and getting intercept marks for Carlton. So um, this is just a game where. Carlton just kind of had the, the, the best possible opponent for a, a bounce back in. And then going from one injury riddle team to another, albeit not as much, but still nonetheless, we're going with GWS and Melbourne and the score might have been less. So for me, at least, so I cannot be as sad. Let's talk positive about this game. If you are a GWS fan, uh, because the score is not as bad as the game really was. It, it was a closer mm-hmm. game than what the, the final score goes to show. 
Uh, with that being 15-12-1-2 for, for Melbourne and 11-2-68 for GWS. And if you're looking at that, it's the left right side, Donnie. One of the bright points is here. Look. Look at you, GWS. You're kicking accurately. 11 goals to two behinds. Let's, I'll take that um, uh, a lot. But uh, he still only put up 68, so there's going to be a little bit of, uh, of a problem there. And things started out really well for them. They actually had the lead uh, um, for a decent amount of time. And then things just kind of go the other way. And they go the other way quickly. Uh, yeah, Toby Green, a guy that's going to have to carry the um, the Giants this year if they want any chance of making the finals, which isn't happening. But if they want any chance of getting close, uh, he so he gets up there. He gets his five goals. So it, that was a good, really solid game. Um, hopefully, he's able to um, bring this momentum into round four. Uh, but it, it's Melbourne really controlling this game. GWS had, had no answer for a lot of their offense. And look at you too, Melbourne. You're leading on the scoreboard, leading in the game, and you're leading on the stat sheet because you led every single stat except for turnovers because, of course, GWS has to have more than you on that one. <laughs> Donnie, uh, can, we talk, can we talk good news here? Or is it all just uh, Melbourne's a really good team and GWS is not? Um, I see, see, I hate going straight to there because this, this GWS team, like they, they played a really good game. Their, their biggest issue is, is that the injury bug just, I mean, bit the living snot out of this GWS team. You lose your captain Canelio to an ankle injury. He's going to be out at least six weeks, your best tagger. And the guy that takes a lot of people out of the, the best player out of the game for the other team, every single week, Matty DeBoer. Hurts his hamstring. He's out at least four to six weeks. And then your, your, your anchor on defense and your captain, your former captain, Phil Davis, goes with a calf injury. He's out at least four to six weeks as well. This game is more marred with the fact that if GWS doesn't have the injury bug, absolutely slap them around. <laughs> I think this is a game GWS wins. Yeah. Um, Melbourne played a, a good game but they weren't as solid as they had been in a couple of games previously. Now, mm -hmm. looking at the way St. Kilda performed against Essendon, I'm not as impressed with that win over, uh, over St. Kilda by Melbourne as I was because of how bad St. Kilda played against Essendon. Now, again, two completely different teams, but we're not going to focus on that. GWS played a really, really good game. Toby Green was really, really good up front. They were kicking goals. They had, they were playing really, really well. And then it was just like injury after injury. They got to the point where they only had one guy to sub and they brought in their medical sub as well. They only had one guy or two guys to rotate for the last two and a half for at least the most of the second half. They only had two guys that they could do rotations with. There was one point in the, in the game where three or four guys for GWS were trying to run off after a goal was kicked mm -hmm. and two of them had to go back because they only had two guys on the bench to rotate. It was painful. So, it was painful to watch. It's it's and and I heard I heard the joke a little bit with with some of the radio stations they were saying well is now you're going to hear teams like GWS and Essendon arguing for a fifth sub and yada yada and I'm like no they're probably not it's just <laughs> It happens, unfortunately. You, you hate when it does, but it happens. So we'll really have to look at that and see how that was. I, I think GWS, I, I completely agree with you. This The score was nowhere near. This was a two-goal game mm -hmm. most of the game. Melbourne kicks a couple late. Kazi Pickett is an absolute insane monster, which is, I mean, again, he proves why he is – 
he may be the Victorian version of Liam Ryan in the next couple of years. He's going to be taking the hangers all the time. Those two are going to be fighting for mark of the year every year at the pace they're going because they're both, I mean, absolutely electric players. They both like to go for the smacky. They're both incredibly talented with the footy in their hands. They're both incredibly quick and so much fun to watch. Those two are going to be fun to watch over the next few years. But this was a Melbourne team that they did just enough to win this game. But if I'm a GWS fan, I, I'm taking enough out of it that you're gonna ha- you're gonna be able to blood a lot of young players. Unfortunately, you may not win a lot of games this year, but you're gonna blood some young talent. You're gonna get it ready for the next few years to the point where maybe you'll get the renaissance of GWS. Hopefully, maybe a little bit sooner, but we'll we'll have to see. Appreciate that, uh, the the optimism from you, Donnie. Uh, Guy needed in these trying times. Uh, and then the last game of the round is going to be Geelong and Hawthorne. Hawthorne coming off a game of round two where they played a, a game against uh, Richmond where it's a lot closer than it really should have been. And this is another one of those games where Geelong, even with the injuries, you think that they'd be able to play this game better than what happened. And it was a really close game, 10-9-69 to 9-10-64. And... I'm doing, I tried to give the Hawks some credit last week off of what they were able to do against Richmond. And do we have to give them even more credit here? Because it was a really close game, and they almost pulled off uh, the, the late comeback I- as well. And one of the problems here is that there's not really a... It, it's two different things. When I say there's no standout player for the Cats, at least due to the injuries, that's different when I say there's no standout player for the Swans. Because the Swans, everyone's producing. But with Geelong, it's... Almost no one is producing. You have some team team contrib- uh, contributors. Don't really have any sort of star, especially you know, um, no no Dangerfield. Uh, Jeremy Cameron's still out. You got uh, Hawkins, but he just had a couple goals in this one. A, a quiet game from him. And is this going to be something they have to worry about? And how much are these young guys going to have to step up if they want to keep their hopes at another uh, another finals appearance? This this is a game that I, I remember and I was watching some of the some of the footy shows and just oh man, this game got absolutely destroyed by so many of the experts. They were like, This is last year's footy. It was boring. It was not fun to watch. <laughs> it was slow. It was until about halfway through the fourth quarter when Hawthorne went on a run where they were starting to kick goals, they were pressuring, they were getting after it. Then you kind of started seeing a little bit more of the footy that we've been seeing throughout the rest of the competition. So it was like th- this game was kind of a roller coaster for me because the first three quarters, man, I was looking at my watch going, oh, my God, how much longer is this game going to be on? I thought my, I thought was... my like watch stopped a couple of times. It just wasn't moving. <laughs> oh, it was. It, it, I mean, it was cagey. I, I, and I, and I, I love I love cagey games as much as the mess went. But this was one of those where it was like. I was almost angry at Geelong because I'm like, Geelong, you've got more talent. You've got a better team. You've got the better players in the right positions. Go for it. And they were just so passive at times. I'm just like, come on, Cats. You can't do this. I mean, I know you don't have Jeremy Cameron. I know you don't have Dangerfield. But, oh, my gosh, come on. You've got Selwick. You've got Hawkins. You've got Guthrie, who has 43 disposals in this game. You've got so many young, talented players and Selwood and Henry. Go for it. Stop playing back. You're playing right into Hawthorne's hands. That's what they want you to do. So this is this is one of those. I was infuriated at this game because I'm just like, come on, Geelong. You can't play this way. And 
I'm going to say it right now. If Geelong does not find a way to play faster footy now, maybe when Cameron comes back and some of this injuries are kind of back when, when you have your full squad of Dangerfield and Cameron and all that, maybe they will go a little quicker. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little worried that when you, when they play teams like Port, when they play teams like Western, when they play teams like Sydney, when they play teams like Richmond, they're going to get run if they don't start kind of if, – if, if they can't play their style of controlling uncontested mark to uncontested mark footy. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against some of these teams. Yep. It, it's – it's I'd be a little worried if I'm a Cats fan right now. Uh, hopefully that they're able to get their guys soon. Uh, Dangerfield will be back um, soon. Jeremy Cameron hopefully will be back soon. So those two guys alone have the ability to totally transform this team, but it, it it's still something to be to be worried about. You're going to have to see a, a different team, maybe a different mentality, moving on, uh, starting in round four. But that's going to do it for round three, and we're going to roll into my power rankings. I can't wait to be joined by uh, Donnie with his after uh, after round five. Or are we going into round five? Well, well, between five, we're between five our, and six in our rive in our round five review okay. into round six is when okay. we went out because then we'll have five games that way. I'll have a form chart to go off of and everything like that. I, I, <laughs> oh, I like you need your chart charts, Donnie. You gotta be like me, just go off a gut feeling because it's been working a little bit at least. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, to be to be completely honest with you, I saw I saw your five and I if, if I had to quickly throw one together, I'm I'm probably not too far away from what you had. Maybe one difference, but I I really I I really don't see where you're too far you're too far off if well, I if thank I you, if Donnie. You, of course, so. he's alluded to because before um, we actually dropped the show every Tuesday, you will get our drop of the AFL power ranking. So make sure to be out on our social medias, on our Twitter at fourth long radio, at our Instagram at fourth long radio. So you can get the early down low um, on the power rankings and you can go ahead and listen to the show. Um, and then you can get my reasoning and more in-depth explanation behind that. And we're going to start things off because two teams have dropped off since last week, Richmond and Port Adelaide, after the losses, they both dropped out of the top five, and they deserve it. I don't want to hear otherwise. Our number five team, they were here after round one. They're going to be making back into the top five, and that is your Adelaide Crows. After what they were able to do against a solid Gold Coast team, and especially because one of the teams ahead of them in, in the ladder is Geelong. But for all the reasons that we, when we talked about the Geelong and Hawthorne game, I have no confidence in this Geelong team. Sure, they win, but are they? They kind of hardly won that game. They're kind of stumbling along. So Adelaide is your number five team, and the team that's going to be ahead of them is also making the return to the top five as they knocked out the Port Adelaide Power. West Coast is going to be here in the number four spot. There's a lot of things going right for them. They look good. They uh, they they kind of pass the eyelitness test. They're two and one. They're in that top five of the ladder, um, and, and so they're still behind a game belt or uh, some points behind Port Adelaide. It looks only like five uh, percentage points away. So they're right there. They really should be ahead of the team that they just smashed. So they deserve this spot in number four. Number three is going to be the Melbourne Demons. Uh, to me, it was it was kind of a toss-up between West Coast and the Demons because both of them 
you could easily make a claim for either team. I'm just going with uh, Melbourne because they were um, the number four spot last week. And I don't think West Coast made a large enough uh, kind of – they had a fantastic game, but I don't think they did really enough to catapult themselves in front of that given where they were last week. So Melbourne is going to be the number three team. And then the team that has put up the most amount of points on the season, it was against North Melbourne. But they, they're in the four. Uh, or, uh, I believe they were there three or four uh, last week. They move into the number two spot, and that is the high-powered midfield offense. Anything you want to say, they got it. That is your Western Bulldogs there at number two. And then, who else, Donnie? Who else? We had the team from last week. They're the same team this week. They're number one. The team that just beat the brakes off the defending champs from last year. It is your Sydney Swans and I got to say, I love you, Swanee fans, because you're uh, making things fun over on Twitter, obviously, uh, and Instagram, giving a lot of support. Uh, I have no idea why, but it's been a pleasure to, to see all you guys. Of course, the so week one, uh, those dropped, and it was all these Richmond fans giving a lot of likes, but it was Richmond number one. Now the Swanees have been won a couple times, so it's, it's always us to be able to, you, you know, on Instagram, uh, whatever team's number one, I'm going to be putting a couple of extra hashtags more towards that team. Tried to play into it. <laughs> but, man, Sydney deserves it. They are easily the team to beat at this point of the season. And I really don't think, don't really see anything slowing them down at this point. But it is Adelaide, West Coast, Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, and your Sydney Swans round up the top five. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I, I just I took a real quick look at the ladder here real quickly mm-hmm. that, it's, that you have from, from five to one. You have eighth play eighth place if I remember correctly. Yep. You have eighth eighth place Adelaide. Yep. Then you have fifth place West Coast. Fifth place West Coast, and then three, one, two. So it, it's very you you, you kind of do a little bit of the form guide <laughs> a little bit. So I like I said I I have no arguments. Um, I think Geelong has underperformed a little bit. The mm-hmm. win over Brisbane, a little bit of controversy there. So I Just take a little, a little bit, bit off of them. Richmond just got smoked by Sydney, so it kind of downs them a little bit. Port mm-hmm. Adelaide just got beat by West Coast. So, I, I mean, like I said, I have no arguments on that top five. That's a very solid top five. Um, I, I, I find it interesting that you have Sydney over Western, but again, you could say what well, Western's number one because of percentage, because of that massive win over North Melbourne. Sydney hasn't played North Melbourne, so I'd be interested to see how Sydney does against North Melbourne with how they've been scoring against teams that you would almost say are better defensively. So I'm quite interested to see how that goes, but it, we, we still got a little bit, but I, I got to applaud you another, another very solid top five there, sir. Well, I do appreciate that. And we're going to roll from our top five into our round four tips. And let's get things underway with the first game of the round, Donnie, because this one is a, uh, shaping up to be pretty a pretty solid round here um and the first game is going to be um sydney your sydney swans against essendon and this before what we saw last week at least before the essendon game this is a game where oh yeah sydney by 100 now it's like oh is essendon actually gonna do something here but no, they're they're really not. I mean, Sydney all the way. There's nothing that's going to stop them. I got Sydney by fifty. 
Uh, I don't know if I'm, I don't know about fifty. I, I think I think Essendon's got a little bit of confidence. Uh, the thing is, the thing that I, I I look at it is this: is SCG Sydney's played well at the SCG. Buddy Franklin's back. I don't know if Essendon's really got a guy that's going to be able to guard him one on one. It's a lot of targets up forward, as you said. The the the, the distribution of goal kicking has been spectacular. Um, this is going to be a game one in the midfield. I believe that the rocking and the midfielding advantage is really for Sydney in this one. Hickey has played really, really well for the rock for Sydney. Um, Essendon's uh, rock is very inexperienced there. And without Dylan Shield in the midfield for Essendon, I think Swans just have a little too much. I think it's a four or five goal win for the mm-hmm. Swans here. I, I, I think I like them at the SCG. I like with Buddy being back that, that they play with even more energy. I, I think it's going to be a sellout. I don't think there's going to be any tickets available. Um, even at 75 capacity, I think it's going to be a sellout. I think this is going to be a great Thursday night game um, to kind of show um, the AFL that uh, the, the Sydney people, the, the Sydney siders do back the Swans quite heavily. So, <laughs> yeah, That's going to be a fun one. Our next game is actually going to be a rematch between one of the uh, preliminary finals games from the 2020 season, and that's going to be Richmond and Port Adelaide, of course, a game that Richmond won last year. These are two teams that really need a win after what happened in round four. One team got, like you said, Dine, they, they got they got gut-checked, uh, is what we, we say, or at least what a lot of my football coaches say. You get gut-checked. Uh, then the other team is one that just got demolished uh, by, by the better team. And so two really important things to go here. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? Oh, this one I bounced back and forth a little bit because, I mean, normally you'd say championship caliber team, you go Richmond, they bounce, usually bounce back well. But the problem is, is that Richmond is notorious sometimes when they leave the confines of Victoria, they struggle a little bit. This is this is not a team that always transfers its superpowers of the MCG where they have the Tiger Army absolutely lighting them up with energy. When they go on the road, sometimes they don't play as well. I think Port coming back home, playing a Richmond team that has not played well. Port is so hard to beat in the Adelaide Oval. I'm going to go with Port in this one, but this is another one could come down to a final kick just because I think these teams are relatively even, relatively mm-hmm. close. These are two teams. This is a potential, this is a preliminary final, grand final type of feel to this one because both of these teams want to get the momentum back on their side for their mm-hmm. season. Um, I go Port on this one, but close. Port Adelaide, couple dominant wins to start the season. Then they get handed. Um, they get handled by West Coast. Richmond, a really good win against Carlton to start the season a shaky win against Hawthorne, and now a big loss against Sydney. This is a team that is extremely veteran. This is a team that has been in every situation that you can throw at them, and they know how to handle it. They've always been able to bounce back from this. So, like you say, it's going to be extremely close. I'm going to roll with the Tigers on this one. I just think they've been through too much recently, and I I just love the veteran uh, experience on this team, and I love the coaching, and this is something where I think they're going to be able to bounce back and it, before we looked at last week, I always said that Richmond was a better team. Um, so I'm just going to stick with that Richmond by like, I don't know, a few behinds on this one. Not even a full goal. Mm-hmm. And now, huge game for the Brisbane Lions as they're taking on a ginormous test in the Western Bulldogs. 
it, I just don't see it going well for for Brisbane in this one. If I'm being honest. Yeah, this this one's. Um, I, I think Brisbane comes off all that energy uh, off a big win, but they just they're running into the buzzsaw team in this competition. I mean, this is a Bulldogs team that is absolutely in fuego right now. They're playing really well. Their 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 rucks are playing well. Their midfield's playing well. They're kicking goals. They're playing good defense. Um, I, I think Brizzy keeps it closer um, than, than some people think. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give the doggies this win because again. Brisbane coming off the high of a big win. Sometimes you can come out flat the next week because you spent so much energy and emotion into that one. I'm going to go the doggies, but I think Brisbane keeps this within two goals. I think it's going to be really close too. I hmm, there's just something about, about the Bulldogs. They're just absolutely terrifying me this year. It's really just like a buzzsaw right there in that midfield. The next game is going to be the St. Kilda Saints and the West Coast Eagles. And this is a game where St. Kilda, yeah, you just get trounced by one of the worst teams in the league. West Coast, you just beat one of at least who we thought was the best team in the league. And so I think West Coast is going to be able to ride that momentum into a, not an easy win, but I think this is something that they're going to be able to, be able to control from siren to siren. Yeah, a few week, a few weeks ago before that atrocious performance against Essendon, I would have given St. Kilda a little bit more of a run yeah. here. But West Coast, yes, yes, it's going to be a Marvel Stadium, so the travel back to Victoria isn't easy. But the Eagles are just playing really good footy right now. Yes, they lost Shuey, but it sounds like Elliot Yo could be back quite soon. Nat Nui is just going to have a field day against a, a, a young and experienced Ruckman. Marshall may be back for St. Kilda, but I just don't know if he's going to be at full at full tilt i'm gonna go with the eagles on this one um i don't know this one could this one could get ugly if if the eagles get going yeah that's that's for damn sure it could and then here actually i think this might be a contender for match of the round uh in, in round four that's gold coast and carlton two of these kind of medium tier teams um that have a lot of potential with them and have been playing really solid and i think it's gonna be a really close one what do you think about this um, this one, if Jared Witz doesn't go down in Gold Coast game against Adelaide, I, I'd be much more bullish on the Suns a little bit. But mm -hmm. knowing the fact that you could be playing a rookie Rockman in this game against Mark Pittenet, um, which is not a good matchup at all. Carlton's got some momentum. Eddie Betts is back doing what Eddie Betts does. I just, I, I think Carlton has just the right amount of skill and talent in the places that they need it. I think they're going to nip this Gold Coast team again. I think this is another close one because I think Gold Coast, they're starting to get their mojo a little bit. Um, they, they, this young team starting to kind of gel a little bit, and I think they're, they're going to be tougher and tougher as this year goes on. Mm -hmm. I just think Carlton nips them just by the tiny. I, I think this is less than a goal. Um, I think Carlton stays in this game and just kind of eventually overruns the midfield of Gold Coast with with its with Patty Cripps and, and Sam Walsh are just so hard to stop uh, in the midfield. So I'm going to give Carlton this one probably like eight. I wanted to go Carlton. I'm going to go Carlton by a smaller margin. I'm going to give this another game. One of those where it's won by maybe a few behinds. Um, uh, Carlton by four? Mm-hmm. It's it, this is a hard one to pick though. I'm I'm actually really excited to see how this one plays out. But a game that I'm not excited to see how it's going to play out is Collingwood and GWS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, GWS, they're uh, 
they're well on their way to starting 0-7. Uh, and this game should really be no different. Collinwood should be able to handle GWS. If, to be fair, if the Giants are able to play how they were able to play against the Demons in, in round three, this is going to be a lot closer game. And I really think this is a closer game than it really needs to be. Uh, especially as a fan, uh, what GWS does, they get your hopes up. They think, oh, hey, we're going to win this one. And then they blow it late. And so that's another thing here. I think GWS is going to have the lead a, a, a few times in this one. Uh, Collingwood is going to come back late or just have a, win a close game. Uh, honestly, GWS winning this one, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to go pies in this one, and I don't think it's close. I think it's oh. three or four goals, honestly. <laughs> you, you lose Matty DeBoer, you lose Canelio, you lose Phil Davis. Mm -hmm. There's You're going to be playing young, young players against a team that's humming right now. They're, they're playing really well. Grundy, I think, has got his mo his mojo back. Dagoe is absolutely electric. Mason Cox is kicking goals. Uh, my checks kicking goals their their defense is one of the best in the league mm -hmm. more and crisp are absolutely so difficult to get by they take great intercept marks jeremy howe has seemed to have come back from his knee injury just as good as, as years before um i just i i want to give gws much more of a shot because i know they've got the talent mm -hmm. but this Collinwood team i think they're humming at the right time they're catching gws like i said it, it, kind of the perfect time they have three fresh injuries to three of their superstars and they're in places that really would have helped DeBoer could have been able to tag uh, Scott Pendlebury which could have opened it up uh, you could have been able to put Phil Davis on, on on Cox and then losing Canelio who's your your other battler in the midfield to help kind of neutralize still side bottom so mm -hmm. I just these injuries are at the worst possible places your full four your full forward garter on on Mason Cox you really don't have anybody his size and then two bulls in the midfield that can kind of balance out the midfield competition, even with Grundy at your rock. So, unfortunately, a three or four goal win by Collingwood is how I kind of see this one. I'm sorry, Ross. Woo! Love it. Uh, uh, that game, North Melbourne, Adelaide. Uh, Adelaide is winning this one. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, man, <laughs> not, no argument with me on that one. Even, even at Marvel, I, I got to go with Crows. <laughs> That's the easy one right there. Uh, one that... Might not be as easy, but I think this is still a, a clear winner in this one is Melbourne and Geelong. Man, I just don't know about Geelong. I'm not sold. And this Melbourne team is rolling. Um, I got to go with the Demons. This is my game of the round. I This this is going to be the game I am I'm the most interested in seeing because this is very intriguing. This is a, a Geelong team. Got to play the Demons at the G. The Ds are playing well. The D's have got some young talent playing really, really well. And, and Geelong is coming off, I mean, I mean, let's face it, an absolutely disgusting win, which is hard yeah. to say sometimes. But that's really what it was. I mean, this Geelong team played slow, hold them up, kind of boring footy. Um, and you're playing an exciting, get after you, going to go for it, Melbourne team on the G. I'm 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 gonna go with you on this one. I completely agree. I think Melbourne wins this one. Melbourne goes four and zero, oh, and I think I think Geelong starts. I think the panic button is starting to get even closer to being hit down in Geelong because I think Geelong's um, <laughs> they they have not looked good. The, these injuries. I think this is the last week without Patty Dangerfield. Mm -hmm. So that that is the one good thing. But it, 
you've left yourself quite a hole to dig yourself out of uh, going into the rest of the season um, if, if, if you do drop this one to Melbourne. See, right now it just seems like DeLong is just waiting for Dangerfield and Jeremy Cameron to return to the pitch. But the only problem is they keep waiting, and then they keep waiting, and then it's just going to be too late, unfortunately, is what it looks like. Our last game of the round is going to be Frio and Hawthorne. Hawthorne, a team that has played two good rounds of footy back-to-back um, between their close game against Richmond and then their close game against aforementioned DeLong. And Frio is absolutely, like I said, Swiss cheese with injuries up and down that lineup. So Hawthorne, they get the win here uh, to close out round four. Uh, they could, uh, it sounds like they may get Nat Fife back, which really, I think, really, really helps Frio. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to fix their their issues down back because they've had so many injuries. I agree with you. Normally, I, I Victorian teams going to Optus Stadium is never, never a good show. Um, I think this one is super close. Like, I think this one comes down to the last couple of minutes. I, I think Frio at home plays super, super well. Um, their defensive style is going to help them here against the Hawthorne team that has not been, shall we say, effective. <laughs> um, scoring as much as they probably want. Now, I think the last two games they've kind of played more of a defensive style to keep themselves in the game, which – Alistair Clarkson is a genius. He's going to figure out a way to do it. Uh, this one is just a weird one. This one's going to be a cagey one for me. I think this one's going to come down to um, who kicks more accurately, to be completely honest with you. Um, I think Hawthorne is just a little bit more accurate with some of the guys they have in their forward line. I'm I'm also going to go Hawthorne on this one, but I'm not super confident because, again, Victorian team going over to Optus Stadium. Frio mm-hmm. usually plays well at home. The injuries do concern me. They are sounds like they're going to get Fife back, but there's no guarantee. Um, but I, I'm I'm going to go Hawthorne on this one, but I'm not super confident on this one. So, Docker man, if you end up if you end up watching this one, um, I I really hope your Frio team plays a little bit better because um, this one could be quite an interesting watch. Yeah, I I think that's a little bit of an understatement. Uh, fingers crossed for that man, though, because uh, I think he's slowly going insane from what he's posting on Twitter. <laughs> uh, he's slowly losing it, and we need to reel him back uh, in no better way to do that with than with the Dockers win. Well, he's, <laughs> he's giving me stuff because I'm leading. I'm leading. The, I'm leading our lead. The new, the new, new league. league. <laughs> I'm, I'm leading that, and it's only because I played the throwaway team in the last game and put up a good percentage point win there. And See, I'm just out here insane. getting. And the like guy who's in second was AM injury notices, it. and I just wake up to them. I'm like, oh, oh, great. Oh, I'm doing so well. <laughs> oh, the gotta, you, the, uh, once we're off, Mike, I'll, I'll give you a couple of tips that kind of help you out with that I a little bit. Help you out with that with a little bit. I'm cool with that one. Uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it for our round three breakdown of every three, everything Australian football. Uh, big Thank you to everyone that continues to listen, especially you Australians, because you are really just been killing it. You've actually surpassed, at least on our audio streams, 20% of our viewership is Australian. Uh, and we're falling in our American viewers, which is kind of great to see. Uh, I'm so thankful for all of you guys to be able to hop on board like this uh, and kind of accept these uh, these Americans. I, I feel like... Uh, there, there's always been a bond on the, I, I felt like between Americans and Aussies, it's almost like, uh, well, we just call them, I, I think this, the term here is, um, British Texans is what they're known as. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I think I feel like these countries are great cousins, but it's a great way to bridge the gap across this mighty Pacific Ocean and bring footy everywhere especially donnie hess either him doing it with a usafl or me just doing just trying by uh talking about it and putting it up on social media so uh i want to big give a big thank you to that because that was a cool margin to pass but coach one word or phrase to sum up your thoughts on round three mind-blowing <laughs> and that's how we're going to end this thing just like this show Ladies and gentlemen, catch us out on the socials, as I mentioned. Also, for everything footy, just go to thefourthalong.com slash AFL. And we will catch you guys after round four.